0: Hello, and welcome to the Energy Sense podcast, where we take a common sense look at the news, trends, and ideas shaping the energy industry. I'm Jason Roop, and this is our year in review. I know because uh, where we are at Gather in Richmond, Virginia, they're having a Christmas sweater contest today and pizza and beer. It's a big party around these parts. This is where Bowerbird Energy works from, from this uh, co-working space. And we're here with Chris Rawlings, who's the chief energy officer of Bowerbird. Hey, Chris.
1: Hey, Jason. How's it going? Welcome to the party. Thanks.
0: You do not have a Christmas sweater on, however.
1: I guess you weren't playing today. I forgot the memo. (laughs) Yeah, the Christmas sweater. Tell the wife I need some more ugly sweaters around the house.
0: Get that message in. We should also wish you a happy birthday. Just had a birthday the other week. So this is a, a lot going on
1: at this time of year. The big three nine last year in my 30s. Well,
0: this is one of your most popular episodes where we kind of take a look back at the year and also what's ahead for 2023. So let's just dive right in because there are so many things that stayed the same. I was listening to last year's podcast and one of the big headlines was the war in Ukraine and Russia and how it was affecting energy policy and national security. Here we are a year later and the war rages on.
1: Yeah, and we have another war going on as well and... Mm-hmm. Israel and, and Gaza. And so I think it's not been great on the geopolitical front, but back home, minus the tensions that have been caused by those wars overseas, there's a lot of people that are nervous and a lot of people that are looking forward to the, the election year next year. It's going to be interesting how you know that shapes up. I think just looking at kind of the economic outlook You know, we had a lot of people crying recession, you know, six months ago, we've been in an inflationary environment, we've been tracking the interest rates, people that didn't even know what interest rates were a year ago, got a good, you know, interest rate 101 class this year, I think from the folks over there at Squawk Box. So yeah, it's been interesting that on the commercial side, we've seen a little bit of pullback on investments just amid the uncertainty across the globe and throughout, you know, the economy uh, economically. But here recently, we saw the CPI data and the inflation data and the jobs reports coming out. It looks like our our peak inflation is is gone and we're heading back down to the target 2%. We saw the Fed's not going to ratchet up interest rates just yet. That's not to say that they won't in in the coming years. But what does that mean for for us? So for capital improvements and investing in real estate and borrowing money and access to capital, uh, how these projects get paid for that landscape has shifted a little bit.
0: And you're a small business for people that aren't familiar with Bowerbird.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And but, you know, but we serve big business and this has impacted small business and big business across the board. So of course, access to capital being the number one obstacle for small businesses, it's also a pretty big obstacle when small businesses are trying to sell capital improvement projects into the commercial space, where a lot of times people are borrowing money to get these improvements done, or they're trying to allocate their resources efficiently. And so what I will say is the good thing about that is that now folks are in their industries. We we were talking with a, a property manager the other day and they're like, hey, like, you know, our borrowing capacity isn't where it was, or the numbers aren't really shaken out as much for borrowing money and investing in real estate in the essence of like just buying a new asset. Now we're more focused on reducing our operational expenses. Uh, And how does that play into? Well, obviously, energy expenses are a large percentage of that. So people are getting a little bit more creative on ways to save money. And so I think we're starting to see more of an uptick in energy efficiency projects because of that.
0: How about the government side? Because Government contracting is something that you've been involved with for a while, but it's really ramped up a little bit, especially this year. You had a program, a project that closed at Langley Air Force Base. How is the economy affecting people who work with the government? Because you need lots of resources for those big projects.
1: Yeah, so some of our clients have been, I would say, kind of largely unaffected. These are niche clients that are focused on, I would say, niche missions. So their access to budgets are a little bit different than kind of your standard Agencies. But on the other hand, you know, again, for government contracting, the payment terms aren't as favorable to small business as they might be on the commercial side where we can get down payments and stuff like that. So we need again that access to capital. And so, you know, instead of borrowing at three, four, 5%, now we're having to borrow at seven, eight, nine, 10%, which again affects your pricing and affects your win rates and all of that. But largely, the government, if they want something done, they'll find the money for it. Just speaking generically about government contracting, um, it's in no way a safe haven for you know consistent automatic capital, but it's definitely good for our business to be diversified with commercial and government, kind of counteracting some of those cyclical movements between those two markets.
0: You were saying on the upside, because people are trying to control their expenses, that they're looking more deeply at the savings that energy efficiency can bring. So that side of the business seems like it would be in a good place for you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, energy efficiency, we always say is is kind of recession-proof because people always want to save money. Do they have to invest a little capital up front? Of course. Do they want to put cash? Do they want to borrow? You know, however, sometimes we have to get strategic on how we get these projects across the finish line in a fiscally responsible way. But... At the end of the day, they're looking at permanently reducing operational expenses and, again, energy being a big, big part of that.
0: Do you have new customers in that area or is it more about the current customers you have and how you're serving, what you're providing to them?
1: Yeah. So, you know, we've been working in, the, for example, the multifamily space for a very long time. There's a lot of rebates and incentives that have come down for, you know, the low income housing and senior living and, you know, folks like that. And so you know looking at these developers and these property owners and and helping them reduce their utility costs is yes more profits for them but also gives them a larger budget to do other you know aesthetic improvements or putting more money into the community center that's supporting the multifamily complex right. so um that's been really cool to see you know we've been talking to other facilities that are more focused on resiliency and, and carbon reduction. So again, with the government being mandated to reduce their carbon footprint by a certain percentage over a certain period of time, but also expanding their operations. So there's quite a bit of different like levers that are impacting, you know, how and when and with who these projects, you know, get executed with.
0: If you look back at the year now and we were to do a state of Bowerbird report, where are you right now? What is your focus? Uh, what has been the thing that's been on your mind this year besides some of those challenges?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, happy to report. We, we saw 100% growth from the year before, which was really cool. So always good to report on that. That's great. You know, with that comes the challenges of recruiting and and staffing. So we're in, you know, hiring phase right now. We've got six open positions posted and, you know, we have a pretty ambitious plan for 2024 growth plan. Um, So adding more people, you always have to keep top of mind culture, obviously technical capabilities, but really, you know, fitting into kind of our family-first military-esque culture that we have going on here. It's pretty important because we are such a small team. You got to make sure that the folks that you're trying to bring on really believe in the vision um, and they're not just, you know, just a piece to the puzzle. And so we're, we're pretty excited. We've been conducting some interviews here recently and, uh, yeah, pretty excited to start so the new year.
0: What area would you be hiring for right now? Is it the government contracting area?
1: No, good question. So one of the main areas is electrical contracting. That's, you know, at the very specific level, that's probably most of our past performance is electrical retrofit. So lighting and HVAC as well. So we're looking to staff some other project estimators with that experience. So construction estimators, chief electrician, we also have our office management role open as well to help with the administrative burden that comes along with govcon and just you know standard business but yeah looking for some more technical folks right now uh, we also have an energy engineer position posted because obviously most of our projects are, are energy related
0: and speaking of military backgrounds we have an intern sitting here today a skill bridge intern you want to tell people about that position
1: yeah so uh re- retired navy commander chris kleber 22 years in the Navy, just retired last week. Welcome, Chris. We didn't give Chris the microphone. Yeah, we didn't. We'll get him (laughs) on.
0: He has to work up to a microphone. Also, I didn't have a third microphone.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's hey, it's been really fun to you know. Have a military person, you know, on staff. Obviously, I've been removed from the military for a long time, but it was kind of nostalgic, you know, getting ready, getting ready to walk back on the aircraft carrier and go to his retirement and just have that, that command presence, you know, and I think it's just in general, it's helped uplift everyone and kind of set the bar a little bit higher. And, you know, I've just been really appreciative. Uh, shout out to Department of Veterans Services and the folks over there. So the DOD Skillbridge program is a Department of Defense program, but DVS at the state level really helped us streamline the process of onboarding him after I was introduced to to Chris through my brother. And so it, it can be a little bit bearish uh, of a task to get that done directly with DOD at least as a small business. Yeah. So yeah, we were very fortunate to get him onboarded in a matter of weeks and um you know, he's really contributed quite nicely. It's not just the leadership, but, you know, with his recruiting background kind of fit quite nicely in, in the sales management role there for a little bit. Yeah, it's it's been great. And, and we're looking forward to continuing to utilize that program. Um, again, we'll have that position posted, that internship position posted. Uh, and hopefully we can get some future folks in using yeah. the program.
0: We should say this is available to a lot of people. If you're a small business that can qualify, it's something to look into uh, because it helps both the transitioning uh, military from military to civilian world, and also it helps the business. So it's a good program. Also, while we're talking about growth, you decided to go get your MBA this year. How's that going? You're at the University of Virginia's Darden School of Business.
1: It is uh, awesome, you know. I'd never thought I would be, you know, in an MBA program. I just wasn't really a fan of school for a long time, <laughs> to be quite yeah. honest with you. But you know, I've got a couple kids, and um, degrees aren't everything. Degrees don't make you smart. But honestly, dedicating myself to something that was such a challenge for a long time, just to overcome it and kind of lean into something that was historically, just a challenge for me. I think just from a mental standpoint, that's been really cool. But it's it's the network. I mean, the people yeah. that I'm in class with now are amazing. Everything from colonels, and from the Pentagon, to pilots, to doctors, to lawyers, to high-level tech folks at Fortune 100 companies. I mean, it's just, it's amazing wow. the breadth of the type of people that we have and the diversity of the people that we have in the program. You know, you would think like NBA, UVA, Darden, like top five in the country, like they're all like just have that pedigree and that profile. And, and in a large sense, I guess they do, but they also like come from very diverse backgrounds. Um, and so they, they offer those diverse perspectives. And when we go through these case studies every week, it's just really, really cool to see kind of all of that come together. You know, running a small business, I would say one of the things that I miss about being in a, a large organization is just that not that bench of knowledge. You know, our cohort's 123 people, we split up into two sections. So to be in a class of 60 people, I mean, now I can just shoot text. Hey, I got a question about this.
0: Oh, that's great. You work so hard on one business and you're in one industry and you can see how people in other places might have a different perspective on a challenge, I would think, where you might not have thought of before or maybe they tackled it in a whole different way.
1: Yeah, 100%. And and also, it's kind of been a reversal as well. A lot of these people have been part of a large organization and they actually want to hear more about how it is to be in a small business or to be an entrepreneur. Oh, okay or you know what challenges do we go through because they don't hear those challenges right so it's been kind of cool to be able to talk about that and i'm uh, i'm on the the Friday night live committee so you know once a month we go up there uh, on friday night we we put together an event and it's usually like a panel discussion or something like that and we you know talk about branding or we talk about whatever it is we talk about we again we bring in experts And it's kind of the same reason why this podcast is cool is because you just get to learn from those people like more in depth and have those deep conversations and build those relationships. Pretty cool.
0: We've been too happy for a while here, so let me throw some doom and gloom at you because, uh, (laughs) you know, we did start off talking about wars. And uh, one of the things you've mentioned to me is that as we look back on the year, there's a lot of frustration that you're hearing from your peers and the energy industry about where things are right now because it seems like a lot of things are moving very slowly Last year at this time, we were talking about the um, Inflation Reduction Act, which sent a lot of money into energy efficiency uh, projects and sustainability projects. But you all haven't really seen some of that. So I'd just like to hear what your peers are saying. You know, why are they frustrated? and What do you think is going to happen in the coming year?
1: Well, I think specifically to the Inflation Reduction Act, you know, understanding that the largest investment in clean energy that the world Frankly, has ever seen it takes a long time to roll something like that out, and so I think kind of the shock the initial shock is is over of like, oh my gosh, this is like amazing, and everything's gonna like fall right into place. Stuff like that just takes time, so I think people in general in the markets are just learning to be more patient. they need to find program implementers and and folks that can just get everybody engaged to bring the team together to actually execute. And again, being a contractor at the ground level, trying to build these projects, it is frustrating at times because, you know, we have COVID with supply chain issues. We have, you know, Russia, Ukraine. We have, you know, workforce development. We have all these things that we're dealing with. The last thing that we want to hear is that we've built all this stuff up and it's like, oh, some political movement happened. And so this program's not launching for another year. The winds have changed and the new people are in power. But also like understanding expectations. And I think, again, this year, we really started to understand What were reasonable expectations in regards to being able to see the fruits of those investments in clean energy? Let's talk about
0: some of the things you're excited about. It's always fun to talk about energy tech. And maybe we won't talk too much about EVs right now because they're, they're still speaking of things that are stalled. Artificial intelligence is a hot topic in every
1: industry. It's in
0: mine and yours. What are you uh, hearing about AI as it relates to energy?
1: Well, I mean, as it relates to energy, I think for a while we've seen the maturation of IoT, you know, the Internet of Things and, and putting devices out in the field, collecting data in real time. Now we're seeing these tools tech enabled. So now they're, you know, they're backed by some type of AI tool that's gonna then be able to to take all that data into the cloud parse it, sort it in a more efficient manner. Hmm. So what used to either be very glitchy or take a lot of time, AI has created efficiencies in that process. Can you Uh, give
0: me an example of how that might work in a smart building, for example, or or somewhere where you're taking in a lot of data about somebody?
1: So I'll give you an example of kind of maybe one of our, our internal processes. So if we meet with a client and They want to, I would say, do it the right way, but they want to go about (laughs) it in in a certain way. They're going to do an energy audit. So we'll do an audit of their utility bills and do a walkthrough of their facility. And then we'll add monitoring uh, and benchmarking in that service as well. And that means putting out devices in the field, capturing that data in real time, sending it back to the cloud, putting it out on a dashboard, and then being able to make decisions based off that real-time data. That process is becoming more cost-effective, it's becoming more efficient, we're able to do it more accurately, I would say, because of the addition of AI into the, the management of, of these information systems and, and that you know, tech infrastructure.
0: So you can interpret the data more quickly. You could probably find things that you wouldn't be able to find on your own.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would say like a lot of the engineering and kind of the data analysis a lot of those jobs are now being taken over by AI because you have those firms who are now building these technology tools to quite frankly use as their own internal IP, but now they're capitalizing on those technology tools and actually, you know, selling them out into the market. And so yeah, it's you're basically, you know, lowering your expense while increasing your your accuracy and
0: but then you still need the people who have the energy engineering degrees and the experience to interpret those findings and offer solutions and put a package together for the client?
1: Yeah, well, I think at the small business level, it's really important to customize as much as possible to every client. So, you know, our Fortune 500 with 100 facilities across the U.S., you're going to need somebody that understands the right vendors and tools and technologies that are applicable to that business as opposed to a small local business that A, doesn't have the budget of the big business, or B, doesn't need that robust infrastructure. You need someone that has that knowledge of that integration and that ability to identify, okay, this is a small business custom plan, or this is the big business corporate plan, because we have a lot of integrations or, or things like that in the current system. It's challenging, but it's it's a lot of fun.
0: Let me ask about LED lighting because sometimes that gets lost. That was your core business. That's what you started out doing, retrofits. But I would think that since, gosh, has it been six? How old is
1: your business now? it would be 10 years in April. 10
0: years. LED lighting's come a long way. So is there anything in LED lighting that you're surprised to see yeah, or I mean, excited I'm glad to see? You,
1: I'm glad you actually brought it up. So after a a two-year hiatus, we are actually bringing back uh, the veteran LED brand. So behind the scenes, we've been selling LED lighting to our preferred contractor network. And now some support staff are going to be solely focused on not only supporting those initial contractors, but building out that team a little bit more. We've had the same relationships with these manufacturers for 10 years, and we've been you know, importing direct and working with them directly. Uh, we provide a lot of value there. We do photometrics and full candle studies and everything now is standard kind of Bluetooth, yeah, wireless. And, and you trust you trust vendors like that
0: after you've done so much with them for so long. Yeah, you absolutely. You know how they work and their timing and everything.
1: And we've got that process down. And I think, um, you know, when we kind of shelved that brand for a couple of years, it was really to try to figure out you know, what's the perfect scenario for this brand to kind of live on? And I think we've really built out an idea for it to where not only can Bowerbird Energy leverage them as a supplier and, and as a distributor um, and still keep those connections, but we can also continue to serve our existing contractor network and add in those additional services for them.
0: Yeah. And I remember when I first got to know about your business, I mean, that was the thing you said, LED lighting is the, uh, yes, it's complicated and you need to people who know what they're doing, but it's really one of the simplest things a business can do to save money. And I think that's still the same, right? You can't forget the basics and And the low bar.
1: Absolutely. And it's also not as simple, right, for your everyday business owner in regards to trying to take on that project themselves. Um, you know, a lot of times we go into facilities and it's not just a one-for-one one swap. We have to redesign the layout. So we have to talk about color temperature and reflectivity from the paint colors in a certain room or how mm-hmm. it's gonna, you know, do you want schedules and scenes? <laughs> is it wireless? Is it, you know, occupancy sensors? So yeah. it's uh it can get very detailed. And I think we just really saw a need with our contractors reaching out saying, hey our clients really need like a lighting specialist to come in here because either A, they've tried to do it themselves and haven't gotten the right look or picked the wrong wattage or whatever it was, or B, that they're just saying like, hey, we need that extra specialist help. Can you send somebody out?
0: Right. You can't just replace bulbs. I mean, you can, but that's not the way to do it. Have somebody right. unscrew one bulb and put in the next. It's not like your lamp at your house. Well, right. Like, yeah. I
1: don't know if you've ever like been to Lowe's, but like you walk down the aisle <laughs> yes. and it's like, oh, this is a 60-watt equivalent. It's like, okay, well, you know, what is a Kelvin color temperature? Right. Like, what is, yeah, it's, it's, overwhelming. it's overwhelming.
0: Well, um, I'm glad I asked about that. We got some breaking news here. Let's finish up by talking about what you're looking forward to in 2024. And I'll start because I was bummed that our scheduled trip to see the uh, the turbines out at Virginia Beach was canceled by Dominion Energy because of the the waves were too high. We were supposed to get a tour of those new giant the wind farm that's that they're building out there. So I hope that they will reschedule us and take us back out there so we can get a close up look.
1: Well, hopefully they don't schedule us in March. So that's gonna be my <laughs> first global trip to India with my with my classmates. India. India, yeah. So I've never been to India. That's going to be a long flight, but I'm looking forward to traveling outside of my comfort zone. Normally I'm on a beach sipping a Mai Tai somewhere, but bring on India. It's the largest, fastest growing country in the world. So I
0: think anything anything you spend your money on is going to be a business expense uh, (laughs) for all this traveling next year because it's part of your MBA,
1: right? Yeah, I don't know about that. We'll see.
0: All right. Well, congratulations on your year. We have a lot to talk about next year. Episodes still to come. And I know you are grateful for your team as well.
1: Yeah. And then we're actively hiring. If you could please share within your network, our open roles, Energy.com forward slash careers. And also, Jason, I didn't mention we are looking at really growing the podcast for 2024. We've been in talks with some other podcasters and agencies, and, uh, or I should not agencies, associations. Uh, <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. You're, you're, in, you're in, firing me right no, now. <laughs> no, no, that are interested in cross promoting um, and, and really growing the podcast. So that sounds great. I'll have to get a third microphone now. so we can <laughs> <have>.
0: <laughs> Well, um, fantastic. And we hope that you're listening and you enjoy the podcast. We have, we're have we almost up to 40 episodes now. There are a lot of great episodes that you can go back and listen to and learn a lot. So uh, please tell a friend, check out our old podcast and make sure you subscribe so you don't miss our newest episodes. But that wraps it up for us. Happy New Year. Happy Holidays. I'm Jason Roop for Bowerbird Energy with Chris Rawlings. We'll see you next time.